Are you ready to rewind? Take a nostalgia-filled ride back to a simpler time. It's Acid Wash Memories, a retro pop culture celebration. And now your hosts, Joe Morata and Michael Quinn. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 12 of Acid Wash Memories, a retro pop culture celebration. Today, we're talking about the decline of the landline. Ooh. I am Joe Murata, and on the other line is Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Hi, hear me? <laughs> hi. Oh, hi. Hi. Uh, howdy. Howdy. Hi. Glad we could connect. Today, yeah, we, we've connected. Yes. Uh, hi, Wilson, or whatever happened. At yeah, the I'm Wilson. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys so much for being with us here. We hope you don't hang up on us oh. Oh, oh, or have any hangups about what we talk about, but enough with the puns right now. We'll have more later. We thank you so much for being with us here for Acid Wash Memories. As we said, it's a retro pop culture celebration. And if this happens to be your first episode, I'd be very surprised because we're talking about the phone. The phone. And some of you are probably wondering, well, how are we going to talk about the telephone and the landline for an hour and 20 minutes or whatever. It's a very interesting topic. It is interesting, and we're going to tell you all about it very shortly. But before we do that, we do want to thank you again for being with us here. If you want to listen to other things that might interest you, we have 11 other episodes in the archives. You can check them out. We just did Late Night Wars, Leno versus Letterman last week. Mm -hmm. Uh, People were very into that one. Well, I was into it. I was into that, and there there will be a part two down the road with the Conan O'Brien and Jay Leno fiasco. Right. You know, if we like it, it's probably a good episode. That's a good point, yeah. Quinn. Uh, so we got a lot, a lot of other stuff. If this is your first time around here, and maybe you're not interested in the phone, there's other things. And you can. I, also- think, I think after this hour or so, you'll be interested in the phone. I think you will. I think so. Uh, you can also land on Twitter oh. at AWM Podcast. Give That's it a ring. AWM Podcast on Twitter. Yeah, give us a ring over there. And you can also dial on up to our Facebook group. Right. Stop. And that, of course, is Acid Washed Memories. Just search for it on Facebook, and we will let you in. There really is zero drama over there at that group. No, it's I just mean... people having fun. Just people talking about old sitcoms and stuff. Old sitcoms, uh, late night, obviously, yeah. food, all that stuff, yeah. cartoons. Have fun over there, and thank you for being with us. So, Michael Quinn. Yes. We're talking about the landline in particular. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. in 2023, when we're recording this... Uh, landlines still exist. They do still exist for businesses and Ma- call mainly. centers and things like that. Yep, call they centers. They do serve a function. They absolutely do. A lot of people, which we'll get into over the last 15 years or so, have uh, cut the cord, so to speak, and right. gotten rid of their landline, stopped paying for it. There are a lot of cautions and warnings. And if you've Googled cell phone risks, these things could be dangerous to your health. I would wager 99% of the people listening to this right now, if not 100%, have some sort of uh, phone in their pocket that not only can do the phone call aspect, Mm -hmm. but can do text messages and video calls. Multimedia, Joe? Multimedia, Quinn. Yes, exactly. I I mean, what I would be more interested in is what percentage still keep a landline just in case. Yeah, you know what? Right? Uh, let's kick it off with that. If you uh, want to call to action, go to at AWM Podcast on Twitter or on our group and let us know if you still have a landline. I do not, Quinn. Do you? I don't. Yeah. The phone companies point out that more than half of all landlines have disappeared in the last 10 years, and the number of people who are cutting the cord continues to grow. Obviously, there's no mystery in this. We know why the landline decline, so to speak. We know why, but we have to get all the way back to the invention, of course, of the telephone. Now, Quinn, what is talking? Talking is where you make noises with your throat and mouth (laughs) muscles, and then possibly words come out, depending on how good you are at that. And 
you communicate with it. That's the humans have been doing it since the beginning. You talking to me? No, the problem is, though, you can only do that as far as you can yell. Right. If, if you can't yell any it, louder. It, it, it always had an um, engineering restriction of distance. You know, you can only scream. So some animals they in the, in the animal <laughs> kingdom, they can, you know, hear a tiger from miles away. Right. But they don't pe- need a phone. But, but us people over here, we, you know, you, maybe you hear a couple of feet away, perhaps. Yeah, it depends on it. how echoey it is, the acoustics, if you will. How old you are, perhaps, yeah. also. Mm-hmm. A lot of factors into play there. Now, the origin of the telephone is disputed. I mean, canonically here in the United States, we are taught as mere school children that it was invented by a certain individual uh, named Alexander Graham Bell. Right, but that's not even true. It's like some Italian guy, right? Well, yeah, Antonio Miucci in yeah. 1854 in Italy, as Quinn astutely pointed out, he is one of the credited inventors of the telephone. You know why I know that? The Sopranos. Like, Tony, like, <laughs> opines about it at the dinner table one night to his kids. <laughs> well, there you go. When they're, ta- when they're learning about history. I guess it takes all yeah. kinds. Did you know that an Italian invented the telephone? Alexander Graham Bell was Italian. You see? You see what I'm talking? Antonio Meucci invented the telephone and he got robbed. Everybody knows that. Uh, there was also Elisha Gray, and there was also John Philip Rice out of Germany, and there's a few others as well that we're not going to mention. It's like a worldwide project. How do how can yeah. you get talking on a wire to <laughs> send to a faraway location? There you go, Quinn. Yeah. Very well said. Uh, but it is true that Alexander Graham Bell, uh, who was a scientist an engineer, and guess what? An inventor. And a patent holder. And a patent holder. He was the one to patent the telephone in the United States in 1876. So we are post-war. Yeah. But in this case, post-civil war. Civil war. <laughs> uh, so- it, it, you know, and, and I always find it fascinating because the phone doesn't take off until probably the late 19th century like you know yeah. it's almost like how TV was it took like 20 years for it like okay we got it we figured out how to do it right but now we got to get it in everyone's hands absolutely and put it everywhere right absolutely Quinn yeah now the technology of the telephone without getting into an extremely detailed explanation here yeah Good. is built upon, in Graham's eyes anyway, Alexander Graham Bell's eyes anyway, uh, the existing technology of the telegraph to an extent. Right. The electrical telegraph was a means of communication over long distances using wires, but using Morse code right. as the language, quote-unquote. I mean, essentially what it is is when you speak into it, a electrical signal transmits, right? It's more easy to understand what Morse code because Morse code is essentially, it's like you're just literally connecting the two wires and when electricity goes through, you get a, yeah, a circuit, tick and when you let go, you don't get a tick, when right? When the circuit it's opens like, and closes. Oh, it's when the circuit opens and it's like turning off a light, right? Exactly. Quinn. But it's, it's audible. It's audible. It, yeah. Short wave. Take it down. Quick. What's it say? <laughs> Shut up. And Morse code was still actually something that people knew, like a specialty right. of people, but people knew it back then. Mm-hmm. And they would have telegraph operators on each end that would. It's actually like, the believe messages. it or not, prior to the telephone, I mean, Morse code was a huge, huge. a absolutely massive advancement. It is the beginning of telecommunication. Like, Absolutely. you know what I mean? It's in the name. I mean, it, it helped win wars. It was that, you it know. It did. Yeah. I mean, in the Civil War, even, they were using Morse Post, code. Post-war. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and telegraph, obviously, the, the word tele comes from the Latin for long, and graph is for writing. Uh, and then we obviously got to the telephone, which is long sound. The telephone is basically just your, your voice coming yeah. through the line. long sound. Yeah. 
like Quinn said, it takes your voice and it uses uh, vibrations and you know the way sound works through signals. Kind of like a record. Basically like a record, which Edison had been doing, you know, Thomas Edison. Converts it to an electrical signal, runs yep. it through a wire, and then the other side decodes that signal and it comes out the receiver. Yep. Uh, so the first test call was uh, March 10th, 1876, if you're curious, and it was in between two rooms in Boston. Uh, meanwhile, in 1878, speaking of the devil, Thomas Edison invented something known as the carbon microphone, and that would prove to be a crucial component of the telephone. Uh, Got to wait, have a way to amplify that signal into exactly. a voice. And the receiver, uh, Bell, invented. So basically, mm-hmm. Edison actually, like, tangentially was involved in this, you know what I mean? He was involved with everything. He, he was, was a patent troll back then. He was. I yeah. know, you've already... He just all invents a bunch of, like, just, it do- he doesn't know if it fucking works. It just... <laughs> And kind of whatever, I'll get the patent for it. You've already uh, explained your grudges with Edison on earlier episodes, Quinn. He's, he's kind of crappy when you look what? into him. Stop it. Like, Do not say yeah. that about Edison. Uh, anyway, Alexander Graham Bell founded, guess what? The Bell Telephone Company. Right. Shortly thereafter. And in 1881, it was renamed the American Bell Telephone Company. And guess what? Four years after that, for you date fanatics out there, in 1885, a subsidiary known as the American Telephone and Telegraph Company, Mm -hmm. was created out of New York City. You might know them as AT&T. You might. AT&T, the right choice. Long distance came into play as the years rolled on here. Again, this is kind of a truncated version of the history. We can't do every single thing, but long distance was a big deal because, yeah... You could do between cities that are relatively close, but what about, uh, I don't know, calling from New York to London or something like that? Right. Across the world. That was unfathomable at the time, right? I mean, it was an engineering feat to accomplish it. We're talking, some people don't know this, but there is literally cables under the ocean that they laid down back then to engineer this, right? It's yes. like, it's insane if you really think about it. There's right? legitimate wires involved. There's not, It wasn't wireless. Like, yeah. how else would it work? There was no wireless. <laughs> right. like they, they, I mean, they had to actually lay, you know, get fucking boats. They had to get cables that could withstand the pressure. Yep. Under the, I mean, that was a part of the engineering. And on top of it, they got, like... What I never understood about it, which which to me is fascinating, it probably be another podcast altogether, but it's the concept of like what happens when sea animals like <laughs> yeah, like obviously like chew on the wires or whatever. I don't know. Or, you know what I'm well, saying? Like some turtle wanders by, he's like, "Hey, bitch, I've been here 150 years." Yeah, I remember just, before when the 13 colonies. What's funny is like it's a joke, but it's a practical concern. Like you know what I mean? They like, figured it, it out. Yeah, man. they figured it out, and it's just crazy. You think asbestos was used? I don't know. I'm, I'm sure. Sounds, sounds about right. I'm sure so they just were like, eh, "Fuck it, just whatever will Cyanide. prevent it. What will ever will prevent this from breaking? <laughs> right. We don't give a shit because because people were making money. That, oh, hell yeah, they, they didn't give a shit That's about true. the environment back then. They didn't even know they, they these people didn't even know they were having an impact on the environment. What is the environment? Yeah, they don't even know what that means. <laughs> we're just trying to talk to people in Scotland. Yeah, I don't know why. Anyway, it was in 1927. So. 50 years after the invention of the telephone, 50 years, a half a century, when the first transatlantic phone call was made from the United States to the United Kingdom. Wow. And uh, for all you, speaking of them, you know, we love you guys out there despite your food choices and all that and your bad weather. We're talking about the United States history for the most part of right. the telephone. Just mm-hmm. to be clear here, we know that you have your own uh, similar conventions over there and similar features, but we're specifically talking the United States. Right. So we don't mean to offend or isolate or anything. And uh, the United States system is interesting, though, because I mean. Why is that, Michael? Because there's the Bell system. 
Yes, and Alexander I, Graham I, Bell. Remember we mentioned this Bell fella? Oh, Bell fella. Well, it's one thing to have a patent on the device, but it's fucking useless if you can't call anybody. And oh. these these people had to build the network, the physical wiring that we talked about went across the ocean. Yes. But they had to do that across the United States of America. And believe it or not, before, Even in the, Iowa. before the United States, and still now, before it was overdeveloped and little houses everywhere... You know, it's a, it's a it's a very rural country with a lot of trees. Got, it's got trees. It's got mountains. It's got Hilly water. Terrain, it's yep. got desert. Yep. And they had to figure out how do we wire all of this across this. That's a great point. Yeah, uh, the Bell system. Why don't we talk about that briefly here? Okay. So in 1899, we're going back a little bit now. AT and T, the American Telephone and Telegraph Company, right? They acquired their parent company, American Bell Telephone. Right. That was a long distance company, American Bell. And then the following divisions of AT&T existed forever, and we will get to when they did not anymore. Yeah. AT&T Long Lines, which Long was, Lines was the heart of the business. Yep, local that, and long distance. Lo, yeah, and, and Long Lines was would be the future target later on without giving away too much of the story here. Correct. Long Lines. It manages the nationwide network and, along with the local telephone companies, handles all long-distance calls between states. Western Electric, who was their manufacturer of all of the hardware and components that you would need. I guess I've worked with Western Electric products all my life. Cables, wires, switches, tools... And Western Electric was a huge component to the whole thing. In fact, they had basically a monopoly on the actual telephone device in your home. The device, yeah. They, like they, they a virtual because because they were hooked up with. You can't use a phone without a network. And if the network says you can only use these phones, then essentially they have a de facto monopoly exactly. on the telephone on the, the actual. actual the thing you talk phone. on. Yeah, yep. yeah. Bell Laboratory. Its job is to design and develop the products, systems, and services to keep communications purring and to respond to the customers we serve nationwide. There was Bell Labs, who was the R&D, the research and development. Bell Labs is one of... Bell Labs itself can be its own topic, too. Bell Labs is responsible for some of the most important like scientific developments in the country, not just phones. The, the biggest thing that ever came out of Bell Labs is the transistor. If you don't know what a transistor is, essentially it can take a signal and it can not exactly amplify it, but essentially you can do logic. You can input electricity and it can come out or you can input electricity and it can stop it. Mm-hmm. And essentially that's what dictates the zeros and ones on your computer to there this day. There you go. Yeah, Bell Labs was a huge deal. We will have a little bit more on them later. Uh, and then another of the um, Bell system here was simply AT&T in its own name. AT&T. In any business, someone has to be in charge of the whole works. And that was basically the main company, meaning mm-hmm. they kind of oversaw the financial end of things and the, the business development end right. of things. They didn't tangibly make a product yes. or do a service, but they were like the company, AT&T. Right. And these were all known collectively and colloquially as Ma Bell. Ma Bell. Mother Bell. Mother Bell, yes. That's real. I'm not, we're not making that up. Yeah. Excuse me. I just wanted to let you know that your power is fixed, but the phone lines are a mess. It's going to take Ma Bell a couple of days to patch them up, especially around the holidays. Everyone was paying a bill to Ma Bell in the country. Yes. Everyone had a telephone. Yes. As time went on, right? Yes. This company, it was like a utility. Yes. It it was like 
electricity or water. Like it was the telephone. <laughs> yeah. I guess I should mention too. The Bell operating companies were 22 other regional, sometimes statewide, carriers that provided the service to their right. region. The concept was is that you have this big network, but you essentially need managing company. Like Because when this started, you had literal people switching the lines. Oh, yeah. So you, it was an operation, right? You, so you had to have a company in the local area, you know, that receives everything and is actually working the switchboard. Literally. Before they learn, you know, before they developed the technology to automate Direct that. Direct dialing, yeah. Part of it was with the transistor. But Bell anyway, Labs. Yeah, Bell <laughs> Labs. The point was is that this infrastructure, this engineering, all of this, it was necessary to actually operate it. Yes. So that's why there's like a zillion freaking companies because you have to manage each area. It's a very big country. You think of it like this, folks. AT&T was like the CEO and then all these Bell operating companies were like, you know, the regional managers. Right. If that's a way to look at it. You know what I mean? They were kind of like autonomous to a point. Only to a degree, though. They still owed, you know, they they couldn't do anything of their own accord. What I mean to say is that they, you know, they they manage subscribers and things like that. Correct, one hundred percent. But all the money obviously went back to Ma Bell. Oh, of Ma course, Bell. yeah, it went back to Ma Bell. Yeah, it always goes back to Mother Bell. I love how it's not Pa Bell; it's no, Ma Bell. Ma Bell. Yeah, yeah. Pa Bell is a little clunky to say. Yeah. I think they knew what they were doing there. Uh, you know, Quinn brought up a good point here. Why don't we talk about it now? Operators, uh, like Quinn said, for the first fifty years of the twentieth century, even mm-hmm. they were the only way that a phone call could actually be made. The actual f- numbers that you dialed didn't exist. Right. You would just pick up the line and ask a person and connect me to my friend Sam. Right. Uh, he lives at this address. And the like, extension, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, literally, the extension system back then was usually based on the name of the city or region. So you'd be like, I need EN4944. Right. And they would find the thing the operator would. They'd literally plug the connection in. Literally plug the line in, yeah. yeah. At midnight Saturday, the telephones in this city will be changed to dial service and all telephone numbers will be changed. Here are a few important suggestions for the use of your dial telephone. Before calling any number, first secure the number from your new directory. Then remove the receiver and listen for the dial tone. It sounds like this. And it wasn't until uh, 1951, Mm -hmm. uh, which around the time of TV, transistors, uh, the first direct distance dialing call was made. And that Mm -hmm. was made, believe it or not, from Englewood, New Jersey, our neck of the woods. Interesting. All the way to Alameda, California, near yep. Oakland and in that area. Uh, and then this direct distance dialing technology took off in the 60s. Yes. Like a lot of things did. Then they started not needing operators because they could Correct. They could manage it. Also, they needed computers to manage it. You know what Bell Labs developed? Unix. Yes, Unix. Yep. In the late 60s, I believe, yeah. right? And due, due to some kind of... Some kind of weird licensing with it. I don't know how AT&T lost the rights. Unix became open source. Because, uh, that was because of the antitrust. Right. I believe so. So, yeah, you did need operators for long distance until they developed international direct dialing. They wanted their voices to span the ocean. And they did. Truly, America had grown up. Long distance, by the way, can we just say, like, when they started this shit, you imagine what it takes to connect a call from, you know, New Jersey to California with all the, like... It takes multiple operators. Right, all the chains throughout the lines, right? It's one operator talking to another operator, and then that operator is like, okay, can you connect this to that? It's literally like like a relay. It's like a relay, yeah. Like like a baton. Yeah. Imagine doing that across the continent, I mean, across the Atlantic. Well, that's why I'm sure, I don't know the 
technical like deep knowledge sure, here but I don't I'm either env- I'm envisioning that long lines was like a central hub essentially it's like your local operator would talk to long lines and long lines would talk to the guy on the other end that's exactly what long lines was yeah, yeah they did both they did the local but they also did the long distance right. that was exactly the point of that you know what's interesting too about the phone and, and if you're still with us we really thank you for that uh, is there were a lot of uh, developments in the physical tangible telephone unit itself that Western Electric Man manufactured the phone itself if you've ever seen an older movie uh, from maybe before world war ii or something like that pre-war you would have seen what was called the candlestick variation and that is where you had one unit that was kind of like a candlestick or perhaps a lamp without a lampshade yeah and that had the microphone on it and you mm-hmm. would talk into that and on the other hand you would have to hold a little receiver up to your ear or there'd be the version in you see it in grand homes and the in the like mary poppins for example where the phone with the mic is like connected to the wall yes and then the, the it, a, a <laughs> wire on a hook is like the receiver you're right yeah, yeah. Good. mary poppins is where i've seen one of those phones yeah, you're exactly yeah. right about that what wonderful service <laughs> thank you so much good night the design was different but the crucial thing that's missing on all those is the dial. The, the dial. There is no dial. There's like, no dial. You just pick it up. There's somebody literally on the like. Yes. There was the, you know, you, you could hang it up. Oh, yeah. Like, it was where a hook. It was discon- your line was disconnected it still or closed it, yeah. yeah. And the candlestick, for the record, again, we have people that like dates. 1890s is when that came about. Right. Uh, and then there was also like a desktop version of the, the candlestick. Uh, yeah. It was like the 20s and 30s. However... Western Electric again, back at it, finding new innovations. They came out with what was their longest lasting and most popular phone. It's probably the phone you've seen everywhere. That weird everywhere. like it looks like a doorstop with number yes. with numbers on it. You and- could bludgeon somebody to death with this yeah. thing. The Model 500 uh, in mm-hmm. 1950. And this is the thing where it's just it's the phone as we think of yeah. like an old telephone. With a rotary dial back then. Yeah. You know, eventually upgraded to dial tone yes, style. That like was the model the 1500 yeah. yes. uh, in 1963. But this thing, like Quinn said earlier, they manufactured the technology. They also invented it. And they invented yeah, it. Yeah, I mean. So they maintained it as yeah. well. Yeah. And these things were so durable. That's why I made that tasteless bludgeoning joke. But like, really, these things were so durable that they rarely did break. But if they did, a Western Electric tech would be there. This is the only product that they do is the phones. They right. know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It was easy to fix, to refurb, to resell. Double checking and maintaining the system is just as important. Especially when you figure that this system has to work 24 hours a day, every day of the year. I want to note, too, one innovation about the, the telephone in general that is not... <laughs> I find it to be fascinating because it's one of the weirdest things to me that we don't have to this day. This bell system yeah. was wired for electric. It was. Meaning that if you ha- it, it, it was independent of your electric service. Correct, yes. Meaning that if the power went out, the phone still worked. That was one of the craziest things growing up. Yeah. Is that even when the... Well, like as a kid, I was like, wait, the phone still works? Mm-hmm. That was all. That was all Western Electric that and was Bell part Labs. Of, that was and, and that was designed from like I don't know if it was the ground up, but it was pretty early on. Yeah, the, you know that there was an electric current, current. Going, co- a constant, not just uh, only when you picked it up, it made the connection. Absolutely, you Glenn. know, great point. Yeah, uh, the final uh, famous phone that Western Electric made was the Model Twenty Five Hundred, uh, which was also a touchstone. But in 1968, they added two keys to it: the pound key which we now know as a hashtag. Yes. And the star key. Mm. That was out of the 1968, for those curious. But again, these phones are ubiquitous 
I like that word mm-hmm. uh, in the late sixties. 70s we had one of 80s them. my grandmother like one room somewhere my grandmother had the touchstone one but she also they had like i found like their old rotary one and i remember yeah. playing with it as a kid in like the early 90s now correct me if i'm wrong but these phones were essentially free right to it, being a subscriber entitled you to a phone I believe, yeah, I mean, free in the sense that I'm sure like the cost was amortized I'm across your monthly, it's, but yes. it's subsidized Absolutely. Like, by, by your subscription. Absolutely. Yeah, it was yeah. kind of like, a, I don't think you paid a monthly having a phone No, fee. it was just, you know, for signing up for the phone, they gave you a phone. They give you a phone. Right. And in any additional phones is at your own cost. Yes, correct. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of that, you know, any outside of the whole Bell Labs, Bell, Ma Bell system, anything outside of that... AT&T made it such a pain in the ass. Like, let's say you wanted a different looking phone. Yeah. Oh, you could buy one, you asshole. But guess what? AT&T is going to charge you out the ass. If you don't get it from Western Electric. Yep. They're yeah. going to make... Which is the definition of a monopoly, by the way. Oh, well, 100% <laughs> yeah. is. They're going to make you send it to them so they can wire it properly. That's all, yeah. all they knew what they were doing. <laughs> but why don't we... Uh, let's take a pause on the history. Well, it's still history. But let's talk about, you know, any of us that have ever used a cell phone, a landline, you know, anything like that. We're familiar with some features yeah. on phones, right? So let's talk about call waiting. Features is something you don't think about with a phone today because it, it, it's like water. Like at this point, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just there. It's just there. You need it. You have it. It's the same. It's the same concept. People don't really know how a fridge works, but it, they know what it does. Right? Yeah, that's and they, true. They, you know? Don't worry. We're not going to do the decline of the icebox if you're yeah. worried. Are we? No. Maybe. I don't <laughs> uh, know. But call waiting came about in the 70s in both North America and Europe. And call waiting, as we obviously know, it is where if you're on the phone, previously before call waiting, you know, you try to call somebody, you would get what, Quinn? The busy signal. The busy signal. So annoying. But with call waiting, it would actually interrupt the call to send you a signal. Yeah, you hear a, and you still to this day, you kind of hear a beep to let you, to indicate that somebody else is on the line. Yep. And you could choose to answer it or not. Yeah. And if you did, there'd be somebody else on the other line, quote right. unquote. Now, it's the same line. It's, just, it's, some, a, it's a switching system. Something to do with like a duplex. Yeah, yeah, yeah right? Yeah. It's a switching system. Cheryl, how did you do that? Do what? Answer another telephone call while you were talking to me. Do you have two phones or what? No, we have call waiting on our telephone. Call waiting? It's an incredible service that's offered by the telephone company. And that was the 70s, not until the 70s. Three-way calling was another one that came about. Let's get her in on this call. Get her in on this call? You mean all three of us together on the same phone call? Sure. With call waiting and call forwarding, we also have three-way calling. Three-way calling was cool because let's say you wanted to talk to Tommy, Mm -hmm. but you also wanted to talk to Timmy. Or maybe even Bimmy or Or, Jimmy. Or Billy, perhaps. Or Billy, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Possibly... Not always Billy. Yeah. He's kind of a jerk. He's kind of the third wheel, yeah, if you will. I don't like him that much. Yeah. But anyway, uh, let's say you wanted to talk to two people. Well, you could. You know, and the way it worked, I think, what I remember doing in the 90s, because I definitely did the three-way call shit when yeah, I was in middle school. Yeah, I didn't do that school. until cell phones, because I didn't know how to. It was like an advantage. It's like, use, some of these telephone features were like using fucking Excel. Like, it was like, you, you might not know that it could even do that. It's a VLOOKUP, if yeah, you will. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, I think all you had to do... And you got charged for it if you didn't pay for it like monthly. I think you get charged yeah. per use. Is you just had to 
hang like press the hang up button make a call and then press the hang up button again and get the other yeah. person in it was really easy right it was actually really but if easy. you didn't know that because it's against your thinking is when you use the telephone is like well i don't want to hit the hang up button until right. i'm done with the call like, <laughs> right you know <laughs> yeah like a normal person would right. think right yeah uh, so three-way calling was another feature that came about and then there was also something uh this was developed these were developed in the 60s and 70s but not standardized until 1992 the vertical service codes, and what I mean by that is you would hit star and then a, a couple of numbers and right. something would happen. So probably the most popular ones, uh, star 69, which in the UK for some reason is known as 1471. Excuse me? <laughs> 1471. I don't know. I don't know. And in Australia, it's 10 pound right. or star 69. But anyway, star 69 was a big one, Quinn, because that would be if someone called you and let's say they hung up. Ah, you pick up the phone, back, right? you call them back. It would right. auto redial mm-hmm. the person that called you. And that was useful if you were dealing with some pesky prank caller or like a telemarketer. Telemarketer. Hey. The very next time you miss a call, help. don't get annoyed. When you're not in time, press star six nine and get back that call you missed. Hi. Star sixty six, the busy signal fix. Remember those commercials, where if and this one I never used. If anyone did, I want to think. Do you, do you think it's weird, by the way, that they had to educate people on these with commercials? They like, did because like, people were like, "How the fuck do you know these numbers? Right? Like, like, well, how are you supposed to know? Yeah, exactly. There, it's not like a computer where you can like literally like have a screen and like look this shit up. Right? Not like, that I would ever do that. It's you like know you I have mean. this device that has a lot of different things it can do, and it doesn't really have an instruction manual because the fucking phone guy just drops it off. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. If you get a busy signal, press star 66, the busy signal fix. 9X will keep trying for up to 30 minutes and call you back when the line is free. Star 66 was called the busy signal fix because it was basically like a um, an auto redial. Like it kept trying to redial the number for a half hour. Mm. So let's say you got a busy signal and you didn't want to have to keep manually calling it back. Gotcha. You would star 66 and then that number and it would just keep trying and then when it connected it would ring you. I think it was some weird. You know what I you know what I like about these is that the one that I knew the most cuz I just thought it was fascinating was zero. The zero, operator. The operator. The, and the, the concept of that you could essentially do a yellow pages yeah. through the operator. Now was that very I I just thought it was fascinating that there was like people that are there like 24 hours a day. And I thought that was like super fucking weird as a kid. Because these operators at this point, they're not manually plugging cables in by the 90s. They they serve the function of the yellow pages, essentially. Essentially. By the way, what the fuck is a yellow page? Oh, yeah. Another AT&T monopoly thing. Yeah. yeah. I'm your Bell System yellow pages representative. I'm here to help you. Well, I'm in the book. What more can I say? The Bell System yellow pages can do the talking for you. Yeah, the yellow pages, Quinn. What, remember the phone book? Yeah, <laughs> the phone book. Again, I was... Okay, I don't know about you. I'm a big fucking dork. I would like... Yeah, so am I. I sometimes if I was bored, I would just like pick up the phone book and just start oh, scrolling, that. flipping through it and <laughs> checking things out. Between like ages 8 to 15 or yeah, something? Yeah, it's like about the, <laughs> that's about the right age where you're like, you're old enough to understand things, but you can't. You don't have like a car or can't right. go anywhere. <laughs> so it's like you'd be home some days and you'd be like, I don't know what to do. What's this phone book over here? It's just like start flipping through it like an asshole. It is amazing that everyone's phone number was in this book. Yeah, it was like <laughs> fascinating, right? It's like all, all the time you're out, man. 
man, I really wish I had that guy's number or whatever, yeah. or her number or I whatever. I still got my teachers just yeah, for fun. Yeah, you know? yeah, shit. What's their address? <laughs> yeah. This had their fucking address in it. It's insane there was a directory. I mean, so anyone that worries now about yeah. like, oh, people can find out where I live. They had that back then. It, it, yeah, and you had to be like request or I think maybe You had maybe to tell pay. the phone yeah. company, I like, I don't want to be in the phone book. Right. And then you have to wait like years or whatever <laughs> for it to circulate out because people just, like usually you didn't get the, nobody like updated their phone. Usually people had the phone book for like five years and then you got the new one. They would give it to you. Yeah, they, they send it for free eventually. Normally, the old ones will become useful as a booster seat for children. Or a doorstop. Or a doorstop. So that was the joke. Is that footstool. these these, uh, <laughs> these Yellow Pages books is because it's like in the heyday. Remember they kept getting the smaller? Oh, as yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> as like there was less customers and there was people like requesting not to be in it. Like a quarter inch but now. The, I would say like as still in the early 90s, this book was thick. It was right? probably a good Four inches. And then there was the white pages on the back that had the businesses. No, the yellow pages are the businesses. Yellow pages was the business. White, white is pages. people. White is people. And Sorry. green is like advertisements. Remember, there's the right. green section. And sometimes there'd be some weird shit in there, like just ads for stuff and yeah. things like just regular ads. Like, regular not even, ads. like not even just the pages themselves. Yeah, like you want pizza or something. Yeah. Like, this is real. We're mm-hmm. not making this up. It'd be like coupons. Yeah. That oh. were, were usually expired because you were looking in an old phone book. But you, you were sitting on the phone book when you were seven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now you're old enough to look through it. Yeah. Uh, there was also another popular one, Star 67. And if you hit Star 67 before you called somebody, what would happen is if they had caller ID, they wouldn't know. Uh, it would say private number. Wait, caller ID? What is that? <laughs> a new challenger has entered. Caller ID was uh, pioneered by a guy named Ted Parskivakos. Yes, of course. Uh, in yeah, Greece, in yeah. Greece, believe yeah. it or not, in 1968. I was- can imagine the invention of this is this guy's getting like telemarketers or something. He's like, fucking, I just want to know who the fuck it is. Like, I have a feeling he was shirtless too. Yeah, yeah. He just seems very like angry. Type, very like, angry Greek, Grecian it, man. It feels like the invention of an angry man. Right? Like, does it not? The, yes. the, the caller ID? It does. It yeah. does. Like, what the... F- who is this asshole calling me? It just finally had enough, and he <laughs> yes. starts, like, tinkering with, like, electronics was. and stuff. It's literally, like, a way to decode, like, what the number was coming right. in, right? Uh, so, Boeing got involved in 1971... You've heard of Boeing, of course. I've, I've heard of them. And there were multiple patents here. One was in Japan in 76, one in Brazil in 77. Now, this this would be classified, Joseph, as yes, a Michael. telephone accessory, because this was yes. not included with your subscription. Oh, you did not get this with the yeah, phone. Yeah, no. everyone fucking loved these things, and I'm sure we'll go into the bigger, the bigger accessory. Oh, yeah, yeah, we definitely will. But Bell South finally, you know, poked themselves. And now Bell South is one of the offshoots of the Bells. We'll get to it. We'll get to what Bell South is specifically. Uh, in 1984, they do a trial run of this new caller ID system. And then so everybody fucking wanted it. Absolutely. Yeah. Another one was done in New Jersey by New Jersey Bell in 1987. Who is this? Why don't you guess? 5551482. How's that? Close enough. So we got one of those early ones. They were like these plastic things and they had kind of like a those primitive led screens on it and it, yep. all it would do is just display the number no that's all name. it did yeah right and i think it did have a, a a slight backlight when it got dark it was like green or something it was, so, it so was, you could see you know obviously so you could see it i remember when we got ours in 1995 i want to say it was about then too and i remember Mid-90s. it was like a big deal my parents were so excited about this thing well i think it's because they became affordable and available yeah. around the mid 90s yeah. right we want to know when you first got caller id folks because remember it, them hooking it up yeah. and it was like a whole fucking operation <laughs> 
standalone box. It's basically like a pass through. It just you know it intercepts the call before it gets to the phone. That literally all it is. Yeah, it, but like but like barely. Yeah, right. I mean. Yeah, I, I don't remember how long the cord was in between or whatever, but yeah, essentially it, it came with its own little cord that plugged into your phone and mm-hmm. plugged into the thing, and then you, the, the main line plugged into the back, and they, yeah, that's how it worked. And now, caller ID, you're going to like the word I'm going to use. Caller ID is ubiquitous, Quinn. Yes, I mean, it, it's, it was built into cell phones. I actually remember, you know what's funny about that is that- Yes, Michael. My memory of it is that I found it fascinating because- Caller ID, like you said, it was like the mid '90s, and cell phones came out around the same time. Almost like when they when cell phones were first coming out. Oh, and they come with caller ID. That was a big deal. It felt like it was like an added feature yeah. on the cell phones when yeah. really it was just because of the way they work. Just because of the way they are. Yeah, yeah you I, have to know who's calling. Right. Exactly. By, by default, but caller ID was huge. There was also Type Two caller ID. This was '95. This might be why it exploded. That's the one that allowed for getting the info of an incoming call while you're already on the phone. So essentially, it displayed the name that was basically in the yellow pages like it was yeah. almost identical from what i remember it was, it was like last name first like yes. it was like it was it, how the phone was registered it was yeah it was essentially just like what is this name that's registered to this number one of my favorite things is when like i had friends and stuff uh, that would call and maybe they had a different last name was was having to like remember yeah uh, like my friend steve who was also your friend steve oh uh, yeah the phone was in his mom's name and his mom's name is not right. the same yeah 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 sometimes if your friend's <laughs> right. parents didn't have the same last right, name right. Yeah, that became like one of the running things. Is like you just I would you run just to the phone. Knew. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> you'd see like the last thing. You'd be like, oh, I want this call. Like the first time, you'd be confused, but then right. it would just always be in your head. It was fun. Pete Plum. Pete Plum. Bing. That's the plumber, guys. His number's on there. I'll get back to him tomorrow. The caller ID box also stores the name and number of up to twenty-five calls. And then another big accessory. We have to talk about this one. Probably the biggest accessory. This was... I would say. People lost their shit about this thing. It's, you, in, it's talked about in movies, like, of the time when it came out. Are you talking about the answering machine? Yes. Okay, just making sure here. Kathy, it's your mother. Remember me? This phone made answering machine with voice-activated message record is just forty nine ninety nine. I mean, I remember when my parents got oh, one, and it was... God. It was like a revelation. This like, was, It might have been Christmas part two. Yeah. You know what uh, I mean? This yeah. is a big deal. Uh, answering machines, uh, the technology of which is an interesting combination of using your phone technology and audio tape, magnetic Correct. tape, which we talked about in the CD now, episode. came with these, like, they weren't like normal cassettes. Minis. They were like these mini cassettes. Same yeah. tech, though. Yeah, same tech. Same tech. You know, just uh, just magnetic tape. On a spool. I guess I could never understand why they wouldn't use a regular cassette, and I'll tell you why. It's because you always had this issue with your answering machine that you were running out of space. You know what I'm saying? Not because the tapes are cheap. I, no, yeah. I don't even know if they were cheaper, right? Because, I mean, cassettes weren't expensive. Cassettes could fit, like... At, like 90 what, minutes. F- 90 minutes? Yeah. Like, what, yeah. why didn't you just Run use back. those? You, you'd have a million messages. Well, it would so, be perfect. Some did. Some yeah. did. Just yeah. not, not all of them. Most use the yeah, micro. The, ma- I, the majority that I remember of that Small. day were the tiny ones. Yes, correct. Now, the the technology here, I guess the, the idea was obviously around, you know, much earlier than the cassette was in terms of like, how do you use magnetic recording to preserve this or that? But in terms of like being an answering machine, it was actually 1949 when they started really fucking around with it, but it did not. It's It, it was something that needed to exist was the thing. It was, it was well, yeah. one of those like, I'm sure companies were striving to do it because like when they finally got it off the ground, I mean, it was obvious. It was like it was like something people always wanted to right? know who called you when you couldn't get the phone. And it was so- something to receive the calls and say, "I'm not here." 
and you know what I'm, you know, yeah. like, and leave me a message so I can call you back. Because before that, I mean, what the fuck were you supposed to do? You missed the call. You, you missed the call. You don't know. There's they no called paper you. trail. There's, yeah. yeah, there's no way to know. And also in the days before caller ID, some people would use it to screen their calls. They called mm-hmm. it, meaning they never answer the phone and they would wait for someone to start talking on the answering right. machine I and knew then people pick it up. Did that. I knew people that did that too. Now, once, once people had caller ID and the answering machine, I knew, I knew people too who used it in concert. Oh, wow. Basically, if it was like a number they didn't know they let it go to the machine and then let the machine take care of it and then if they they were listening while See? it was recording yeah, yeah, yeah. no you're probably saying wait listening i had voicemail what how is this different than voicemail no this thing would talk out fucking loud right. while it was recording <laughs> this was another accessory that you hooked in your phone into and your phone back out of and it was basically a unit that had a cassette tape in it like we were referring to mm-hmm. and what would happen is you would pre-record a message saying like, hi, I'm an asshole. Leave me a message or whatever, or, right? Or, or the George Costanza. <laughs> believe, believe it, it or, or not, not, George is in at home. That yeah, whole thing. We're yeah. not going to sing the whole song, Andrew. And anyway, you could set it on a lot of them, the threshold for the amount of rings where it would go on. Some some people left it at five. See, I never or, knew that. I never fiddled with that. Uh, depending on the answering machine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, but let's say you set it to five. If it hits five rings, the switch would flip. The answering machine would, would kick on and be like, please leave a message or whatever, right? And then someone would start talking, Hi, it's Debbie, uh, cake. And then the speaker of the answering machine, it had a speaker, right. it, it so, would play it. So this was the funny part about answering machines I always loved was that it was loud as shit. It would basically God. like announce to the house that somebody's call. like essentially they would put the caller on speaker. It, like yeah, it was basically. loud. The common trope that you'll see in TV shows and movies, and I can assure you it is true as a child of the 80s and 90s, is someone's just getting in from work or whatever. They're like, I got to check my messages. And then they press the button while they're like taking their coat off. I swear my mom was like, just like see? the shows. I, I, I remember coming in from work. She's taking off her high heels while See? she's like listening to the like you know what I'm saying. It was like, real. Like it was like that was what people did. That's what they're, people they're did. They're like taking their coat while they take their yes. coat off or whatever. They're listening. It was like weird if they listened to it. Like not like <laughs> yeah, you you're know? not like sitting in a chair. No, while you do no. It. <laughs> they're they're like getting they're, they're you know they're putting their briefcase down or <laughs> some shit. Like you know what I mean or their bag. Take it off their shoulder padded jacket and all yeah. that. Uh, and we should also mention here. That there was a time, and I'm sure a lot of you old people older than us can even relate more, where you didn't have multiple phones. You had the phone. Right. The concept of two lines was just... Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. When we got two lines, whoa. But there used to just be the phone. Yeah, and the crazy part was you could hook two phones to one line, so you'd get these... That was cool. So (laughs) that's another situation that's, I guess, gone away, is the concept that you could listen in on the person downstairs. which I did. And and they would obviously hear you click it. It's like, get off the phone! Like If if you could be really surreptitious, you could pick it up and then press mute right away. Yeah, well, you'd have to be very sneaky. Very sneaky to do things like that. It's like very obvious if someone picks up the phone. It's like like an audible click. You can definitely hear it and when they hang up. Yeah. How many people out there... and, and we had a kitchen phone and a notepad mounted on the wall next to it. This oh, is a you real had the thing. Notepad we situation. Had a notepad. And in one of my my house before that, we had like two phones, one in the kitchen and one in our living room. Right. With the answering machine next to it, well, of course. You know what this brings up to me, Joe? One of the next innovations. Yes, here please. Perfect. Is, so when I was a kid, um, we had a phone with the longest cord in the universe. Oh, I, mean, I love you, those. You could go and cross the entire house with this damn cord. Transcontinental cord. And, and, you know, it had, you know, it had different parts of it that, you know, different people would spin their finger around the, you know, oh, yeah. some of them were stretched out. Stretchy and blah, blah, blah. cords. Then suddenly, tangled. all of a sudden, 
the wireless cordless phone came out. Or, Whoa! Yeah. Using so, radio technology. So the idea was this was not a cell phone. No, no. If you're a younger person, you might be confused. What, what do you, like all phones are wireless. Like, why is this such a big deal? It's like, <laughs> well, because you didn't have that before. I mean, it was just like, you just had this big long wire and that was what you used. Let me ask you, you a question. You didn't even think about it. No, you didn't even wa- think about it. Because the wire was long as shit, by the way. Yeah, we had one of the long, one of our phones had the really long wire. You could yeah. walk into like any room in the house You literally could walk around the entire house Pretty with this much. fucking thing. Take a dump if you needed to, <laughs> yeah. which don't do that. But uh, cordless phones, how cool, Quinn, and I want to hear from you guys too about cordless how cool did you feel when you finally got the Maybe first when cordless phone? When you got it phone? and you put up that antenna thing. The antenna, yep. yeah. Which you didn't really need, which I always thought was weird. Like, I remember because I don't know why, but like I noticed very quickly as a kid that it didn't matter. It didn't do dick. Like the, what, well, it's the only thing it's communicating with is the receiver, but your receiver is not that far away I generally. I felt like it was a marketing thing. Like, oh, just been. in case you're really far away, right? But it's like never, I never really found a purpose to lifting it. Maybe because people associated like CB radios and walkie talkies yeah. with the antenna. Like my parents would always lift it, but I would know, I noticed that you didn't need it. So I would always keep it down. Yeah. Because like, um, I, I guess they just did. They thought like you have to. Yeah, but you didn't. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you know how you always complain about how I twist the phone cord into little knots while I talk? Drives me crazy. Well, this AT&T phone has great sound and it's cordless, so you'll have nothing to complain about. There's always the phone bill. Cordless phone. I mean, the technology uh, to, to make cordless phones was radio I and mean, yeah. um, frequencies. But this early 60s into the 70s, they were working on this. And um they came out and then they became very popular in the 80s. The 900 megahertz version in 1994 uh, became very popular. That's one that filtered out like standard RF interference. Yeah, from your television. And from shit. your television, from a radio. Yeah. I remember like my friend and I, we <laughs> were probably like eight or nine, uh, the one that lived right below me. We had these little um, Fisher Price walkie talkie things. Oh, I had that too. We realized that if you. Um, if you turned it on when it intercept the call when his uh, older sister, you know, his yeah. this is nine. This is like early nineties folks. Just think of any little brother, which yeah. is him, and like teenage, like young teenage sister. Mm-hmm. It was like out of a TV show. You know what same, I mean? It was the the, the, the walkie talkies were the same frequency. So essentially, yes. you you would be. It's not that her call would be cut off. It's that you could. We you, heard you it. were all on the same line. <laughs> we heard yeah. it. We heard it. Yeah. yeah. She didn't hear us though. Yeah. We heard the call. Well, because there's no click. Exactly. See, that's why. It's really fucked up. So if you have any stories like that about cordless phones uh, with the interference and the, mm-hmm. and picking up signals, that's a fun one. But as we have talked about here, we've covered a lot of ground, Michael. I mean, it's a long history. It's I mean, a long history. Believe it or not, this, this system that we're talking about existed longer than you know the cell phones now. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I know. 100%. It's like 100 years. Yeah. <laughs> it's like insane. And you know, as we enter the 80s here, we've got all these new features. We've got call waiting. We've got cordless phones. It seems to me that the telephone system and... The, the devices they're at the height of technology i mean right. you got every feature that we have today right you know it's all it's all there by the 70s what could possibly change what could go wrong we'll have to find out because we will be coming back with more on the decline of the landline and a lot more here on acid wash memories right after this If you are AT&T, the old American telephone and telegraph, the biggest, most powerful company in the universe, what would you be scared of? If you were AT&T, you'd be scared of only one thing, me, from MCI. 
You'd be scared I'd call your customers and show them the savings with MCI. And you'd worry that they'd really like the idea and switch to MCI. Lighten up, AT&T. Don't be so scared of me and MCI. You have millions of customers, and it's going to be years before I can get through to all of them. So what's it gonna... Hey, it's you! How observant. <gasps> I'm a big fan! Really? Yeah, I just love your Diamond Minute Race. Oh, well, actually, that's Sprint's Diamond Minute Race. Don't be so modest. It's great. And it's good forever. You know how I count out my tips now? I take the dimes and I go one minute, two minutes. <laughs> that's nice. I'll have the soup. Hey, Rocco! Look, it's the Dime Lady! Oh, boy. Sprint's really started something. Call now and get 10 cents a minute across the U.S. and now even to Canada. Uh, operator, I'd like to make a collect call, please. First name Bob, last name is We Auto Baby Eats a Boy. Hello. Collect call for Mr. Bob We Auto Baby Eats a Boy. Sorry, wrong number. Who's that, dear? Bob. They had a baby. It's a boy. If you like saving money, call Geico. A 15-minute call could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Last name is We Auto Baby Eats a Boy. Eight pounds, three ounces. Mother's doing fine. And now we return to more acid-washed memories. And welcome back to Acid Washed Memories. Uh, sorry, I was on the other line. Oh, okay. Whoops. <laughs> Joe Morata and I was Michael Quinn. Yeah. yeah, I know you were with your walkie-talkie. Right. Uh, we're talking about the decline of the landline here, and if you're joining us after this break, hey, good for you. We're having fun. Yeah, and so far you've heard the rise of the landline, you really. Have, you yeah. really, really have. Uh, by the way, if you want to get a rise out of us, go to at AWM Podcast on Twitter. We'd appreciate that. Follow us there. And also join our Facebook group and talk to other like-minded or maybe dissimilar-minded individuals mm -hmm. about all the things that we talk about here on a weekly basis. So we're talking about the Bell system in particular, right? Right for the first half of this episode, Quinn, and how they had uh, a virtual monopoly. It's not virtual. It's okay. a monopoly. I'm trying to be there kind. There was no other alternative. <laughs> there wasn't the other phone company. There really wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Bell had his name on it, for yeah. crying out loud. Before I even knew who the hell Alexander Graham Bell was, I knew what Bell in our Bell Atlantic or whatever. Yeah, was. Right. Uh, in 1913, that's uh, pre World War One. Uh, this is the first time we define things by wars here. Obviously, mm -hmm. that was the first time the United States government got assy about AT and T, which by this point had been a company for 40 years. And no offense, almost rightfully so. Well, they I did. Mean, there is some merit to this to the government that, getting assy. Yeah, because I mean, this company has powered. It's a utility. And they can just raise the price. They with, do whatever they want. There's no alternative. There's literally no alternative. Well, let's like, see. They own the R&D. They own the infrastructure. They own the technology. They own the manufacturing pricing schematics. For Pete's sakes, you can't even buy another phone made by another yeah, person. Yeah, they give you a very hard time about yeah, it. Yeah, like... They're like, we don't want to do this, but we will. We're charging you, though. Yeah. You know, like, they're yeah. very, very upset about it. Uh, so this led in 1913 to the Kingsbury Commitment, which... Okay, bear with us. Essentially, the government said, "Fine, do what you're doing," and they basically we'll made let it you have this monopoly if, yeah, which is some, which is a tactic the government does to keep because they can get rid of a monopoly. They can. Or they have the power to, but it's messy. It's negotiation. They, they got to go through the courts and mm -hmm. all this shit, right? Yep. So, like, sometimes they're like, "We need a quick fix right now," so we'll make a deal with you. You get to keep your thing if, yeah. if you don't. Basically, you can't control literally every single thing yeah is essentially what it was but they let them become a legal monopoly right i mean you're right it is a monopoly uh and they did control 
almost all of the phone systems by this point, the connections, the hardware. Uh, And then there was another antitrust lawsuit by the Department of Justice in 1949. So the second challenge. Second challenge. This one was not settled until 1956. So that's seven years I mean, of litigation. Of, I, I think the, the the eventual, the big one took even say, longer, eight, ten years or something. Twelve, yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, so in 1956, the outcome was that AT and T is only allowed. <laughs> listen to this very tough restriction, Quinn. Only allowed to control a mere 85 percent oh. of the uh, phone network in oh. the com- country. Who the <laughs> fuck is going to make another phone network? They can't use their lines. They have to build their own. What, are we going to have, like, the two lines side by side in every neighborhood? Fuck that. Exactly. Yeah, what are they going to do? That's the dumbest. And how are they going to get the permits and all that shit? They're not. It? This shit was built when there wasn't even infrastructure. There wasn't even like, permits. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they, have, they hadn't invented red tape. There wasn't even homes in, like, they didn't have Montana houses. or anything. <laughs> like, there was just nothing. Like, Cows? Cow. Cattle, I, mean, right? I just mean to say, this, this is before roads for <laughs> cars. Like This is before sliced bread. It's not exactly possible to build, a fo- like, a phone network. They had already run all the wires. Yeah. Like you said, what, yeah. are they going to run them next to them? And they're going to blow up the streets to get the underground ones, too, on top of and it? And go like, down there and deal with the turtles in yeah. the Atlantic? I yeah. don't think so. Yeah, what are they going to do about across the like across the ocean? They got to lay theirs. They got to lay their own pipe. Now, now there could be two problems under the ocean. Right. What know? if the turtle eats the good one? Yeah. Why is exactly. the turtle? Or tur- the turtle eats the alternative one, and they don't have enough money. Yeah, just fuck it. Bu- the turtle works for AT and T. Yeah. <laughs> I was sent here to eat your shit, motherfucker. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this is by. <laughs> it almost seems like something they would do with their monopoly status. Like, let's just get a bunch of sea creatures and find <laughs> where they like send piranhas down there. Oh, like, Bermuda, to, perfect. Is this munch on the? <laughs> you see boats with AT and T on the side, and they're just throwing fish in. <laughs> <laughs> do you think they they had the piranhas at Bell Labs and they showed them pictures of the wires to eat and they just? Well, Bell Labs is probably engineering. How do we breed them to have sharper teeth? Like, <laughs> that is what Bell Labs would do. And then Western Electric would manufacture the yeah. fucking scuba suit for the people. I really wish pe- like, people understood how like insane Bell Labs sure was. Like, it's, it's one of the crazy... I wish that you could make a whole thing about it. It's crazy. Maybe we will one day. Yeah. But anyway, by this point in the 50s is when we have the uh, aforementioned 22 regional Bell carriers throughout the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said, they're usually named after their state or their area that they're representing. We in New Jersey uh, had New Jersey Bell, believe it or not. The genuine New Jersey Bell, Yellow Pages, nor the book can mention about Atlantic Company. However, something happened, and it started in 1974, when the United States Department of Justice once again... <laughs> filed another antitrust lawsuit right. against AT&T. Now, this time, right, <laughs> if I recall correctly, Joe, yes, Michael. is that a couple of companies had an issue with the idea that they own long distance and they own the local, right? And it's a valid argument. It's saying, well, that's not fair that you can own both. Right. Like, it's like, why, it's one or the other, pal. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's a very fair point. They're like, look, we want to fucking, you know, have long distance. Right. We can set up operators to right. connect the lines too. The long distance. Yeah. And yeah. Sprint was another one, obviously, that Because in that up. case, they don't have to set up the infrastructure. Correct. That's what they're arguing. It's on top of the infrastructure. They're just saying, you know, you attach your phone line to us Correct. instead. But AT&T's like, yo, that's our infrastructure. We built this city Which on rock also, and roll. Additionally- 
is a valid argument. It's also a valid we, ar- we argument. We built it. We built it, right. Build your own, like, but, you know? But again, the, from the government's point of view, AT&T built the road, built the houses on the road, built the dirt. Yeah. And they're like, look, At some man, point, you have to- the, You have to seed somewhat. Yeah, because it's like, this shit's like 100 years old. Right. Like, you know what I mean? At like, some point- <laughs> At some point, you got to l- share the wealth a little bit, right? right? You know? Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I'm sure at some level, even if it was just a little bit, because I know subsidies weren't a big deal back in the 1800s, but at some at some point, the government was letting them do this. Of at, course at, they at were. At some level back in well, the late 1800s. Even right? in 1913, when right. they were like, be a legal monopoly, fine. You right. Know, like they, they knew. Yeah. But that was to, I think, at least, you know ostensibly and maybe in name only uh, with the benefit of serving the people as a public utility but when you get to long distance that's not a public utility yeah that becomes a luxury right it does and that becomes a commodity essentially you're just an operator on the on the existing system you're not a you're not the system right you know what i'm saying you're not the system you're just a center for calls connecting people you're just a fucking food truck on a on a street that somebody else owns and the government doesn't say well pay me to park your car in the street right you know (laughs) exactly so anyway this time around believe it or not despite their almost hundred year dominance AT&T figures you know what we're gonna actually lose this one so AT&T proposes the solution here which is we are going to break up the bell system and and here's kind of what that entailed and we'll get into it but they had all these local companies. They had ownership. The twenty-two that Which I mentioned we explained that you know it was necessary to operate the telephone yeah. co- system. Yes, they're going to give up the ownership of these twenty-two companies. Mm-hmm. That's part of it. That's not the whole entire thing. That deal was finalized in January of eighty-two and went into effect. Again, you date people. January first, nineteen eighty-four. World's coming to an end, Joe. Nineteen eighty-four. Yeah. It's, it's happened. For years, lots of people have found great pleasure in taking jabs at Ma Bell because of her size, because of her bills. But from now on, we all might want to be a little bit nicer to her because Ma Bell just lost her children. I want to say this about the the Bell system. Yes, sir. There is something to be said about the system itself being centrally managed. That it's not broken up because it was a well-oiled machine. It's, It's why, for example, that... If Ma Bell decides you have Ma call Bell. waiting, everyone has call waiting. Not just correct. You know what I mean? Like, or everyone gets a telephone that works exactly like everyone else's telephone, and they all work perfectly. Utility, you know? right? On the other hand, there's fairness, and I understand why this needs to happen. Anti-competitive. But I just, yeah. I just want to say, from an engineering perspective, it doesn't make sense to break. Them up from an engineer, purely engineering perspective. Some people would argue that. I think yeah. some people still do argue that. Yeah. To be honest with you, right? Because it turned what was basically a utility to an extent into and, and a, and a, a, a well done way. Like it wasn't well, like there were problems, right? Like a well oiled machine. Let's be basically. fair. Yeah. To, they knew what it's they were doing. It's essentially taking the machine apart and then connecting it through, you know, like third party manufactured parts. Right. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Right. But. On the other hand, in the in the interest of fairness, it is fair. It is right? fair, and this is a free market, right? Is it not? Yes. Uh, and that's you know whether you like it or not, it so is. Th- that's all I'm getting at is that you know we did have 
a very well-run, well-operated system for we nearly 100 years. We did. So you're right? basically doing what I did with Leno last week, right. and you're defending it. I'm only defending it from the engineering no, perspective, because I do not believe well, in Well, that's monopolies. how I defended Leno from an engineering a comic joke. Yeah. Uh, well, well, I'm yeah. kidding. Uh, you do not believe in Monopoly, yeah. as you heard it here first. Yeah, I, I don't. You I play Monopoly, don't. the game. I play it, but you, I never. I personally would never build a Monopoly in Monopoly. What piece are you usually, though? I like the horse. Um, the car's pretty good, too. <laughs> I think those are the top two pieces. You're without never question, thimble or the hat or anything. F that. <laughs> the hat doesn't sit flat. It's shitty. It's You're right. It's, like, a, it's an the only hat. like un, uneven piece. You're right. It, it's, it, it's maddening when you play it. <laughs> the thimble's a little annoying too. At least the thimble sits flat. <laughs> Just <laughs> you, saying. You know what Dusty Rhodes' favorite uh, thing to hit on the drum set is? Oh God. The thimble. <laughs> Sorry. Stop. Uh, anyway. This finally created the competition we were talking about from people like MCI and Sprint, the long-distance carriers. Well, competition. Well, competition yeah, in quotes, but yeah. it led to a lot of commercials on television. Can oh, we put it that yes, way? it did. Remember Candace Bergen for yeah, Sprint? Yeah. Remember MCI? And then AT&T getting very defensive so this later? Is, this is very interesting. Go ahead, so Michael. Suddenly, you went from a unified system with one long-distance, one local- One manufacturer, one, manu- one, one everything. Two- any company in the universe can make a fucking phone. Any, <laughs> yes. You have 65 different fucking phone companies for your local. Yeah, and they're all independently owned now. Right. On top of it, the long distance is its own fucking thing. Yes. So now you have a bunch of choices. Choices. You're like, which phone do I want? Which company do I want to go with? You know, blah, 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 blah. But one could argue that does uh, lower the price. It does lower the price, but it also makes it complicated. Because remember... The one problem was that the solicitation was insane. Oh like, God, like, it was! Like I mean, it was like a gold. It was like a gold rush for these telecoms. Oh, it absolutely was. It was, yeah. it was like growing oh. up. That's all you saw. Did you know that there is a belief in business today that some long distance companies can save you lots of money over AT and T? But this has grown way out of proportion. I mean, it was insane. And then on top of it, then all of a sudden people can hijack into the system and you got 1-800-COLLECT and all this shit. Little phone tip. Next time you make a collect call, just dial 1-800-COLLECT. It's easy. Beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop. Like, and 1-800-CALL-ATT themselves. Yeah. Remember getting involved? Uh-huh. Use 1-800-CALL-ATT. It's speedy, it's easy, and it always costs less than 1-800-COLLECT. But why don't we talk about the baby bells? You ever hear of the baby bells? The folks? baby bells. It's a good cheese. But now, the baby bells is funny because you might recognize them as other bells later on. There's a lot of bells here. Dumb bells. <laughs> so uh, January 1st, 84, like we were talking about. Okay. One of the things that happened here, one of the things in this whole fallout, I guess we should mention, is that AT&T Technologies, which was one of their subsidiaries, they basically took everything that Western Electric was doing and formally closed in 1995 when AT&T Technologies changed their name to Lucent Technologies, and uh, ah. that, that was in preparation for becoming an independent company, which they were. It would also become a computer company, if I recall. Yeah, and 100% in 96. Yeah. Uh, and now, in case you were wondering, whatever happened to old Western Electric, it is now known as Nokia Bell Labs. Now, you know, we're talking about this, right, and what, what, what a lot of these companies became. Yeah. Do you think the head of AT&T in the early 80s could see the writing on the wall, knowing, you know, what Bell Labs had developed and, you know, what what was on the horizon? Because they, they have the lab. They can see, you know, where technology is going. Do you think that part of this was we'll seed this now so we yeah. can get. Yes. Because there's a, there's more money to be made 
outside monopolizing the telephone system. I would, I would like, think you're you're on the money there. Yeah. Would, would this be considered an internet lingo playing chess instead of checkers? Right, or 3D chess. 3D and the, chess. And the other companies are only playing regular chess. But isn't chess always in 3D because you're playing in the real life? In the 3D PC. chess, it's got different planes. I don't want other planes. <laughs> Extra planes. So you're the horse usually? Sometimes, yeah. Okay, just checking. How car, about the car? car? I, t- I told you the car and car. the horse, yeah. Okay, so you like moving. Yeah. Locomotion. Some kind of motion, yes. Just checking. Uh, important. So the Amer- <laughs> So the baby bells. What the baby bells were is they were independently owned, um, but they they what they did is they took on a lot of the remember the twenty two, the infamous twenty two mm-hmm. I kept mentioning, right? There were regional companies now, seven I think it was, that absorbed up some of these regional bell companies into their own companies. And one of them in the Midwest, it was Ameritech, okay? It was acquired by SBC in 1999. Who is SBC? You will find out later. Then there was, here in our area, and in Pennsylvania, and Maryland, Virginia, and West Virginia, Bell Atlantic. Bell Atlantic. Bell Atlantic. Bell Atlantic. So, New Jersey Bell became Bell Atlantic, New Jersey, Mm -hmm. in 1994, and then- That includes all the Potomacs and the Pennsylvanias and all that business. Correct. Yeah. Then- you might have heard of this company, Verizon, merged with Bell Atlantic right. and GTE in the year 2000. I always found that interesting because as a kid, I saw Bell Atlantic, oh, our local company, right? Yeah. And then they become this mega corporation, Verizon. Like, I always thought that was, like, weird. But I always liked that they carried over James Earl Jones They for did. A while. They didn't lose him. Verizon is good. Or now I say Verizon. <laughs> it's mega. Bell Atlantic is now Verizon. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. Bell Atlantic Mobile has become Verizon Wireless. Bell South was another one of them. Guess where it served? The South. Yeah. And uh, that was acquired by AT&T in 2006. We'll talk about that later. But this is like another AT&T. We, we'll get yes, into all we'll that. we'll get into yeah. that. It gets really confusing. It gets very confusing. There was also 9X. Uh, ah. That is the New York New England Exchange. Mm-hmm. They were acquired by Bell Atlantic in, Bell ni- Atlantic. <laughs> in 1996. Yep. Also now, of course, part of Verizon. There was also Pacific Telesis in California and Nevada, acquired by SBC in 1997. Who is SBC? You will find out later. There was also U.S. West, and this, of course, uh, had Iowa, Minnesota, Dakotas, Oregon, Idaho, Washington, all those places. So the Northwest, the, uh, mainly. Some of the Northwest and the Midwest. Acquired by Quest, or Q-West, in the year 2000. Yeah, them. Yeah, remember them? <laughs> they were, in turn, uh, acquired by CenturyLink, which is now Lumen Technologies, in 2011. Yeah. Then there was Southwestern Bell, which is the southwestern part of the United States. They became SBC in 2001. And you know what happened? So this SBC fellas, yeah. they seem to be acquiring everyone. They're doing a good job buying up these other bells, huh? Yeah. It almost seems like, uh, you know, we started with a ton of bells, and now we only have a couple of bells. A couple of bells. And hell's bells, Quinn, because SBC bought the AT&T right. in so 2005. This is where it gets super interesting, <laughs> right? right? So, And why I find this fascinating is that one of the baby bells acquires Pa Bell, yeah, well, uh, yeah, Ma and Pa Bell. Ma and Pa Bell. I guess they're retired now. Grandpa and, and, Bell. And, and, and Baby Bell's going to be Big Bell now. So, But uh, not only that, they changed their name to right, AT&T. Which I think was smart because it's, it's like, branding. you know what? 
we bought we bought the the mother sip. We right? bought Mar- like, Bell. We're gonna call ourselves the mother sip. <laughs> See, Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, yeah, but you're right. The, the, uh, we bought it. Well, we're using the name. We don't care. Yeah, it's like <laughs> we're allowed to them. They're back home. Right. Like this isn't a purchase as much as it's like moving in with Ma and Dad again. Ma, Ma Bell Ma and Pa Bell. And Pop. <laughs> yeah. Is that where Tinker Bell is from? Maybe. Might be the youngest daughter. It's one of the baby bells. <laughs> anyway, that, I think we, that's enough of the AT&T storyline. But it's crazy because if you think about it, right? Yeah, go ahead. How, how, many, how many baby bells were there at the beginning? Well, I mean, the little offshoots, there were 22. But then the baby bells, as they were the known baby as, there were seven. There was seven, right? Yeah. Today, go ahead. we have only three. We have AT&T, Verizon, yep. and Lumen. I mean, Verizon bought 9X. Yeah, they bought everything. I mean, they bought everything. Lumen seemed bought the the Quest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, CenturyLink Quest. Yeah, so there's still some rogue ones that I see here on the list that still somehow exist, like Cincinnati Bell, Consolidated no Communications, <laughs> Frontier Communications. If like, you have Cincinnati Bell, let us know, please. But I mean, yeah. How about them Reds? And Lucent still, obviously. Lucent. Yeah, I yeah. mean, but like, it's interesting- Essentially, what happened here is that they chose to break themselves up. Yeah. And they slowly all merged back together. I could see a day. It's like Pangea in reverse. I could see a day where, like, I know Verizon's really big and I know AT&T's really big. Yeah, they but, do cell but Would you put it past them? Maybe not one buying the other, but just merging into just AT&T no, I again. I wouldn't. I and wouldn't. then it's, like, literally the same problem. <laughs> yeah, it's a 21st century yeah, problem, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. I mean, they obviously Verizon, one of the largest, cell, the largest cell phone carrier, and AT and T. You ever heard of them now, as a cell yeah. phone carrier? Now, what is this cell phone? Oh, a you're cellular about? telephone. So because now we call this the the decline of the landline, right? Yeah. Now all of this business practices and shit. The landline's booming. The landline is so much boom that there's. You know, there's a bunch of companies and there's people making all this money off long distance and all this horse shit, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Companies merging, people getting rich, right? Men in suits. And all off the phone, all off Alexander Graham Bell's system here, right? That he stole from that, that Italian guy. That he stole guy. from the Italian guy, right? <laughs> all of this money being made, Gabagool. it's huge. Yes. And there's a thing like the internet coming along and you got to go on the phone for that. Exactly. Like, so, so, I mean, they're, they're riding high here, right? They're riding so high, but so were cellular towers. They started to rise up. So cellular towers. Yes, cell phones. This is a technology. It's essentially connected to the landline, but it uses cell... In its core, it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's essentially like a tower that's hooked to the line, but your device, the cell phone, yeah. connects to these cell devices, and they, they form little networks. When you're in a certain region, you're on one tower, but you move to another region, you're on another tower, and, it's, and right. it's across the country. That's how it works. Something right? to do with triangulation. Triangulation, blah, blah, blah. Checking. Right? Yes. This got developed, by the way, in the 60s, but... I'm sure Bell Labs was involved. Probably were, but <laughs> widespread usage of the cell phone. For, we're not doing the history of the cell phone, because guess what? That will be a different episode one day. Right. The rise of the cell phone. Radio Shack keeps you in constant communication with their affordable, transportable cellular telephone. But, I mean, widespread usage started in the 80s. Right. Little by little, but it started in the 80s. And the devices were big and clunky, right? Yeah, Zach Morris, everyone talks about. And why would Ma Bell be afraid of this, right? Why would Ma Bell be afraid, Michael? Right? I mean, these are kind of, the battery doesn't last long. Right. Who has one? They're not really (laughs) portable, per se. I mean, they're big as shit. They're clunky. Yeah. They're expensive. (laughs) They're expensive. Mm -hmm. This Nokia Mobera portable cellular phone is just $5.95. Well, little by little as time went on, and you probably recognize this if you grew up in the 80s and 90s, 
more and more people started to have these cellular phones, right? And the technology became cheaper, cheaper, smaller. Mm-hmm. That was a big deal. It was, it was a big. The, I mean, it was. I feel like within five years, from like 1990 to 1995, we went from a big clunker that Zach Morris holds yep. to this little flip thing. Yeah, my grandfather had one. Yeah, not kidding. And it was like a leap in technology. It was, it was huge. It was right? a leap. Yeah, it was, it was massive and. There, there, so there's like two eras of the cell phone here, right? And the first era was like the adoption, right? And mm-hmm. this this era of, you know, the, the very basic, it's just a phone. You right. just call you people You just use it, it like a phone. You can use the telephone wherever you want. And that alone was awesome. Especially right? the car phone implementation. Right. When my parents started to get them, I was fascinated. I, same. Couldn't, I couldn't believe that, you know, you could... It was the same experience. It was very close. It was obviously not perfect, but it was yeah. a very close experience to what you got in the home yeah. with the one connected to a wire. But you could do it while you're in the car or at a store or, or on outside. vacation or outside. And yeah. again, it, I think most of our listeners are our age or a little younger or older, but if you don't remember, if you weren't there, if you grew up during the landline era, which is me and Quinn, yeah. you know what I mean? When you're a kid and you, you use your cell phone or your parents' cell phone for the first time, it's insane. It seemed like a big deal. It I mean, did. I remember begging just to get a landline phone in my room. Same here. Right? Cordless. And then all of a sudden, there's one that fits in your pocket. This yeah. is insane. You can use it anywhere. You can use it anywhere, and it's your own private phone because you didn't really like share a cell phone. They were no. It didn't make any sense. It wasn't practical to share a cell phone, right? right? Exactly. Um, and so here are these things come right, and they exist for a bit, and they peacefully they, coexist. They, they, with they peacefully the coexist because yes, there was, for example, you still see to this day that uh, they'll be like. Oh, most coverage, blah, blah, blah. That to me is like a holdover from this time period where like it is you Quinn. legitimately like there was a lot of places where your cell phone didn't work. I like I would wager and I want to hear from our fans. I don't think anyone thinks about that anymore. Right. Yet. Right. Yet. There's still the fucking maps. Right. They still show them like it's like it matters. The whole entire map. It's just the entire country. There's not like one. <laughs> like, you have to get a microscope to see the areas where it's missing. Yeah. It's like Bismarck, like, South Dakota or something. Right, yeah. It's, it's like really tiny <laughs> where there's no service. Right. Uh, you but, know what? Though? But back in the day, it was like it was that spotty. The, yeah. the, everyone. It was the map competition. Right. It was like, oh, well, you know, we got this big glob of area now that we cover. Yeah. And, I mean, this is it was expanding in front of our eyes. Right. It absolutely was, especially in the later 90s. Right. Into the suddenly 2000s. like some of them were being able to claim we have across the entire country full service. Yeah. Which was crazy. I think was Verizon the first to say that i think verizon perhaps was the first and then there was singular wireless which and you was, had a couple yeah in the beginning there there was a couple of different companies that don't exist anymore singular was bought out by guess who AT. at&t right so at&t <laughs> at&t who again they're not really at&t they're it's like a different at&t they're, they're a new generation <laughs> right. by baby bell at&t right like, it's the captain picard at&t yeah, okay yeah, yeah it's exactly it's picard's enterprise <laughs> it's, of at&t it's still the enterprise quote-unquote yeah, but yeah. it's not the same right it might be better I don't know. It's Enterprise D. <laughs> Enterprise D. But again, we can't cover the entire history of the cell phone here. But they were the reason. Let's just be completely honest. Yes, that's why we're talking about They're it. the reason right. why the landline declined. Now, now I want, like you said, they coexisted in the 90s, right? But there and is, into the 2000s. Into the 2000s. But there's an integral thing that comes along here that, to me personally... Was it a nail? The death knell, as yeah. they say. It was... It was Suddenly, it really felt like you didn't need a landline. 
So let me give you a background here. In 2004, which isn't even 20 years ago, over 90% of the United States, this is the U.S., still had a landline. Right. Because you needed the the safety net, right? 100%. Cell phone was out of battery or you didn't get service or sometimes it would like rain or like the weather would affect it or some shit. Yeah. It was was weird, right? You never knew. You never knew when. It wasn't reliable. Now, only four years later, okay, this is 2008, 15 years ago, about 10% dropped. So now we're down to only 80% using landlines. Hey, Quinn- what year was the iPhone? 2007? 2007. Okay. So Steve Jobs, uh, a feller in the computing feller. business. Heard uh, of him. Might have heard of him. <laughs> and he uh, was part of the founding of the Apple Computer Corporation. There's also the Waz, um, I understand. Yeah. A company that, to be fair, had nothing to do with phones prior to this. Zero. Zero phone connections. Right. Just um, computers. Maybe, maybe they're... F- Apple computer connected to a phone line. Right. Maybe they maybe, talked on the phone. Maybe they talked on the. Maybe they had a subscription to Ma Bell. Right. Um, <laughs> in, for their office. Possibly had a car phone. Yeah. Possibly had a car phone. Right. You know, but they were not a phone company. No, they were not. But they had invented a device in their computing. As computing went along, devices were getting smaller. They invented a device called the iPod. Yes. They had some success with this portable Very device. Very popular. Portable thousand songs device. in your pocket or whatever. A thousand songs in your pocket, yeah. right? Wow, the technology, right? <laughs> Over humanity. Now you, now you don't need vinyl albums anymore Damn. or cassette tapes. They're all just, they fit in the thing. What, throw, what an innovation, throw right? Throw out those 8-tracks, kids. So the Apple computing company um, is looking for, you know, what's the next, you know, right. version of the iPod here, what's right? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? So they think, that, well, you know, if people like these cell phones, and you see a lot of people, they carry their cell phone and their iPod around. They want to listen to music after they're off the phone. Huh. What if we threw the two things together? Whoa! Right, but not only that. I'll see. Here's the thing: is when it came, when they showed this thing off, I remember the press conference. An iPod, a phone, and an internet communicator. An iPod, a phone. Are you getting it? These are not three separate devices. This is one device. And we are calling it iPhone. So he pulls this thing out of his out of, out of his pocket. Yes. First of all, it's a sheet of glass. Yeah. What the fuck? Right. No one had seen this. No one had seen anything like this. Every phone, the screens were awful. They were just like these little dinky things. And they had uh, push button keyboards on them or numbers. There's no buttons other than the on button and and like the home button, right? He pulls this thing out and he goes one by one through the things. It was like you looked at the future. Do you remember this? Like when it first came out? It was was a huge deal, man. It was unbelievable. It really was a big deal. And suddenly you have all the most important multimedia telecom things in one device. Yeah. And suddenly you don't need all those things. Right. And as more coverage yeah. obviously came in cell well, phones. Yeah. A, and since the cell phones <laughs> had enough, they, they had hit critical mass with the coverage by 2007. So yeah. it was possible. It was possible. To leave the phone behind. Yes. Like to leave the landline behind. Especially as 3G became, you know, uh, 4G. 4G and then LTE, yeah, you know, all that 5G stuff. 5G. All, yeah. People started to think, you know what, maybe I don't need this. And uh, apparently enough people did that. Like I said, in 2008, we were at 80%. And this is a, a poll in the U.S., okay? So it's not, you know, entirely not the exact accurate. data from the bells. Right. It's not bell data. But 80% in 2008. By last year, 
2022, we were down to 29% of the country. That's a quarter of the country. Yeah. Now, as we've talked about, Quinn, in any of our series here on Acid Watch, where we've done kind of like obsolete or declining tech, is it always a case? It seems like it is, again, where the necessity is eliminated or replaced. I'd say the necessity for the individual, the system that exists does serve a purpose, right? You need emergency services on it. Right. And it's also you need emergency services, you need call centers like big businesses, things like that, where they, you know, they're they're at their desk, right? Yes. They're not going anywhere, right? However, the other thing is the necessity is that this system is still the backbone. The cell towers are just a, a means to get to the this system. That's a fair point. But it's still the exoskeleton. It's the it's the exoskeleton. So the system itself still exists and you're using it when you make a telephone call, right? That's a great point. However, the delivery method has changed. Right, the conduit has changed. Yeah, Yeah, the conduit has changed. That's a great point. But it's a big deal because people were essentially, I mean, we had to have a device just to answer the messages. Like, because we were (laughs) locked to the fucking thing. And we had to have another device to see who was calling. Right, it was chained to the wall. Like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> Literally, yeah. though. Like, and, and if you had a cordless, you had some range, but... And, and before this, if we wanted portable calling, you know what we did? We went to a payphone. Yeah, payphones is another right. thing. Uh, you know, an yeah. outgrowth of the bell system. But it's an outgrowth of not having cell phones, ultimately. And that's why I didn't even want to talk about it. Because no, to me, no point. the payphone was basically the cell phone before the cell phone, It right? was the mobile phone, yeah. yeah. Uh, incidentally, last year, 2022, is the... The final payphone in New York City was finally taken out. And then, and New York is emblematic of like a busy city where you right. have a lot. That's why I, re- I remember in my lifetime that there would just be rows oh, of payphones on every, of them. every street corner in the city. Absolutely. Right? I mean, it, and there was always people on them. Always. There was always people. The mall had them. Right. I mean, this was just stores. the way life was. Can you... I think people can't imagine that if you're that born, world. If you're born later, yeah. If you watch any movie in the 1970s, if they're in a cityscape, yeah, payphones all over the streets. It's just part of the environment. Superman changed right. them. Yeah, remember exactly the phone like, booth. Now we can't change in that. Remember anymore. the movie called Phone Booth? It's that was <laughs> yeah. Superman has to change in Starbucks now. That's <laughs> <laughs> true though. Yeah. Remember that movie Phone Booth? Yeah, that was a bit of an anachronism almost because they can't was, make that movie. <laughs> you anymore. can't do that yeah. anymore. What's yeah. a phone booth? Starbucks booth. Right. Sorry. Um, not all of them were booths either. I mean, a lot of them were these like... They got rid of the booths as time went on. Yeah, the booths was like... That was like a luxury. That's like private. Oh, protection from the rain? Wow. Where do I pay? And it has a phone book attached inside that that doesn't get wet. Sometimes they have the table, like the little tray to write on if Mm -hmm. you needed to. Yeah. It was very fancy. You could have a bite to eat in there if you wanted to. You could. It had a little like... Yeah, it had that little (laughs) corner table. You're right. You could just like hang out in there if you needed to. But ultimately, like that's something we lost. Right out of this loss of the landline. Yeah, but was you're there. not you're not like <laughs> lamenting the loss of phone booths. I just are mean you? that they they were part of the general look and feel of the any aesthetic. major city or town. Even I mean, there was a phone booth in every town. Yeah, but I mean, they weren't attractive. I mean, in England. I know there was a big uproar in England because of the old red yeah, ones. And no, but they, I just mean to say it's like losing a thing that it's just there. It, like, okay, that, that's because these things were there for like a hundred years, like an old like, acquaintance. Yeah, maybe just, not a friend. It's just the look of you, you know the little telephone with the bell in the middle and all that it's like when your ups guy retires right yeah he's been there for years yeah and then when he's gone you still get what you need but but it feels like you lost old joe is gone yeah exactly 
And I don't want Joe to retire. He's still here, thankfully. Right. He's been our UPS guy forever. I don't want him to go. Mm-hmm. I like Joe. I don't want the new guy. Right. I get what you're saying. Obviously, like we said at the outset of the show, folks, the, the reason that uh, the landline has seen declining usage over the years is not a mystery. Mm-hmm. It's because it's necessity, like Quinn very well pointed out, to the end user, to the consumer, to the individual, has decreased. The infrastructure, right. you're 100% right, Quinn, is still very important yeah. from a cell phone point All of view. All that work done... Going back to the 1800s, yeah. it's still there. I'm sure. I'm obviously the lines have been upgraded and blah blah blah. Yeah, it's not the same. It's something. Wire. It's not the same wires from a hundred years ago. But, <laughs> That'd be fucked up. Yeah, I mean there might be some of those in the ocean that are still from the early 20th century because I don't know if anybody's pulling that shit out. If but, the turtles didn't get them, Quinn. Yeah. yeah. But uh, we wanted to do this one because we figured it would spark some memories in you folks that are listening. Right. We have somewhat of a varied spate of people listening. You know, whether you're in your mid late 20s or even some people in their 50s, 60s listening. We want to hear your stories about the phone. Uh, we want to hear your experiences. Do you miss your landline? Ooh, do you have a landline? That's the yeah, big question. Are you still keeping keeping it alive? Keeping it alive out there. Do you miss the phone booth? What piece are you in Monopoly? Quinn is the horse or the car? These are all important things. <laughs> all these questions will be answered either on Twitter at AWM Podcast, or you can join our group, our Facebook group, Acid Washed Memories. Uh, be sure to listen to what Alyssa Marino, our announcer, says right after this. But really, thank you guys for being with us here. We really do appreciate you. We will, of course, be back next week for something completely different. But until that time, this is Joe Murata. That is Michael Quinn. Leave us a voicemail and we will see you next week. See ya. Like what you heard? Be sure to leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We will see you next week.